we are podcasting from inside the archive room. Welcome to episode 7 of the Year 12 English Podcast. My name is Suzanne Hack and I'm the VC English Team Leader here at St. Leonard's College. Thanks for listening. In this episode, we will be hearing from Miss Kelman, another member of the Year 12 English team, and she will be talking about the wall uh, in relation to the text Stasi Land by Anna Funda. So let's hear from Miss Kelman now. The Berlin Wall, secretly and silently erected on the 12th of August 1961. It stands for 28 years as a symbol politically, psychologically, emotionally, socially, economically and a dividing force between East and West. Anna Funda, in her creative non-fiction text, investigates what it must have been like to live behind this wall, this secret walled-in garden, a place lost in time. The people she meets in her adventures in Stasiland, such as Miriam, Julia, Frau Paul, are all shaped physically and psychologically by the wall. Miriam goes into details, unbelievable details, about the height of the wall, where it was, how she was planning to escape. She talks about that yearning for freedom, the scars she still has on her hands, the way the wall went straight through houses, along streets, along waterways, sliced underground train lines to pieces, that people actually built gardens in the lee of the wall in a sort of patchwork of green. But it was over there they all wanted to go. And in 1968, at the age of 16, Miriam Weber was going over the wall. Her attempt to escape what was basically a form of totalitarian regime sent her to prison. When she got out, she says she was no longer human. Thunder comments, perhaps they beat something out of her she didn't get back. And prison left her with some strange little ticks. That night, she was forcibly, forcibly sent to the West, where those people who were no longer deemed relevant to the GDR were sent. So the wall is both a mythical part of the fairy tale that Anna weaves around her adventures in Stasiland and a cruel political and historical symbol of oppression and segregation. The initial feeling of dislocation and wonder where Anna positions herself as the rescuing hero of Miriam, a maiden safe in her tower, soon gives way to the truth, a stark reality of sedition, interrogation and desperation to cross the wall. Symbolically and metaphorically, the wall weaves in and out of Miriam's past and present, where an application to leave the GDR was a desire to commit more border infraction and could result in death. The wall is slightly different in Julia's case. 
from the linoleum palace, the flat that Miriam sublets from Julia. Anna comments that the wall is sort of a chronological marker of architecture, stylistic delineation between the east and west. It became something you could sort of measure time in, in a city that was changing before her very eyes, in a massive act of ideological redecoration, Berlin began to look like the tattered faces after plastic surgery. And a lot of the buildings were as they were before the wall fell. But Anna becomes a, an eyewitness to the very process of resurrecting and rebuilding a city. Every item in the linoleum palace, the flat that Anna is living in in Berlin, is broken or about to be. It had started its life as a piece of utilitarian piece of furniture in an eastern home well over a decade ago. And after the wall fell, students had moved into buildings and nothing remained that was even good enough for them to take. The wall is intricately linked to the Stasi interviews that, or the former Stasi men that Anna interviews. And it's interesting that it becomes a symbol of surveillance and control. And if we take... Uh, uh, Anna provides us with so many details, geographic, historical, political details, about the wall. And it becomes a symbol of surveillance, arrest, incarceration. In fact, 85,939 East Germans were listed by name um, for surveillance. Um, and, you know, as these things happen in history, the Hungarians in, in August of 1989 <coughs> excuse me, cut the barbed wire at their border with Austria and that became the first hole in the wall. And within hours of this blunder, um, 10,000 people were at the Bornholmer Bridge converging on that checkpoint in cars and foot, thronging the wall. The guards were powerless to stop them. And basically it was all over. People from east and west were climbing, crying, crying and dancing on the wall. And the irony of the destruction of the wall is that uh, even now in a suburb of Kralsberg in West Berlin, some people want the wall back to protect them from the east. The wall becomes a symbol of imprisonment for the, of the GDR. Its people cannot leave. But the human spirit cannot be cut off forever from the outside world. And Michael Hines comments on this on page 207 and says, it is impossible to seal off a country from the outside world altogether and certainly impossible to do it in all places and for all methods of transport at once. Speaking of the human spirit, Julia is an example of a type of strength that she has to maintain and resurrect after the wall falls. A victim of surveillance because of Italian boyfriend, propaganda, thought control, newspeak of the Stasi that isolate her, disappear her, alienate her. 
um, completely make her father Dito depressed. Um, she is she is a big supporter of the GDR, and is quite disappointed in the way the state who she believed was her fatherland um, interrogated her and blocked her from living a full life in the GDR because even at the age of 20 she becomes an enemy. As Anna investigates Julia's story further we find it is actually this terrible atrocity that happens after 1989 to Julia where she is raped and interestingly enough being trapped by the war and working in jobs that were way under her capacities and she had no choice and no freedom and total surveillance. That sort of mars Julia, so she can't stand the type of structures that keep her in. But then after the wall falls, she's raped. And this becomes something that Anna finds very difficult to deal with emotionally. Anna comments about herself that she becomes cold and sober and scared of what Julia confesses. The amnesty given to prisoners after the wall um, in 1989, after the wall came down, meant that East Germany was in a type of turmoil, uh, political turmoil and state of flux. And perhaps the protection that Julia felt the wall afforded her was gone. Psychologically and physically separate, Julia felt distressed and suicidal. The fall of the wall represents the end of her personal security. And Julia acknowledges this irony and feels a deep loss of her personal and private sphere. And the chapter's title, The Worse You Feel, may reflect the moral conundrum that Julia and Anna feels and knows. Of course, Frau Paul... Her tragic story of lost guilt and separation is aptly named by the her story's title that she holds in her hands. The wall went straight through my heart. It is a story that she tells well, Anna says. And the changed world after the secret construction of the wall created a divided city where it was near impossible to obtain the necessary medicines for her sick son, Torsten. The wall represents the angst and irreparable damage of the loss of her child, who was placed in a Western hospital on the other side of the wall. The psychological damage to Frau Paul is evident, as Anna describes her as weeping, overflowing and leaking with pathos. The wall is the political and physical structure that is permanently etched into her soul and memory, and her continuing claims that she is not a criminal may suggest that she is not quite over what has happened to her. And yet, Anna also investigates, believes in supporters of the wall like Filthy Ed or von Schnitzler, who, whose ability to turn inhumanity into humanity, who's, uh, when he creates these propaganda videos showing people being shot as part as a necessary symbol of salvation for the GDR, he believes in the wall. He believes it is a symbol of order and peace, and he believes in its political necessity. He says it was the most useful construction in all of German, in fact, European history. And interestingly enough, Hagen Koch, Hagen Koch who once was the uh, socialist man, 
who once was a believer in the GDR, he stayed in the East because of love. His secret documents and maps that he photocopies link Anna to this past wall that is almost no longer visible. She goes to Bernauer Street, where the wall was, and looks at the full-size reconstructed section of the wall, complete with freshly built and neatly raked death strip for tourists. This seems artificial and a sanitised Disney version of what has been airbrushed for effect. And here, Anna learns that the wall defines Hagen Koch still, and the angel's face there reminds Anna of Miriam and Julia, whose lives were shaped by the wall. And her Koch is a lone crusader against forgetting, and he uses the wall and the Taurus to remember what it was like under the GDR. I suppose Koch's story of rebellion and loss ends in laughter and Anna's acknowledgement of his moment. The plate that he keeps, steals, equals Koch's courage against the firm. His joy in photocopying the former top-secret diagrams and photographs of border installations act as a guide for Funder through the mess of railway lines and small walls. Koch's maps connect Anna to Miriam's story of courage and attempted escape. I suppose it brings it to life. Anna remembers this story in a, in a world where most people on both sides want to pretend it was never there. The wall has been erased so quickly that there is hardly a trace of it in the streets. Only a small part of the most, of, of most colourful section remains, like a gaudy headstone. And Anna comments that for some, of course... Perhaps the drunks in the park, people, proponents of the nostalgia movement. The wall represents a, a better time, a better place, a cheaper time where there was no unemployment and no visible homelessness or drugs in the park. But Anna's come a long way and she knows she's heard this kind of thing before. I don't doubt it is genuine nostalgia, but I think it, is, it has coloured a cheap and nasty world golden a world where there was nothing to buy, nowhere to go, and anyone who wanted to do anything with their lives other than serve the party risked persecution or worse. For in spring Berlin, the year 2000, for Anna, the wall is a different type of thing. It is a thing to remember, commemorate, memorialise, but not trivialise. I'm sure you'll agree that that was a really useful presentation by Miss Kelman. There are PowerPoint slides that accompany uh, what she was speaking about, so you might want to go back and have a look at those. They've been uploaded onto the Stasiland page on STL Link. As before, if there's anything in these podcasts that you hear that you're unsure about, please make contact with your English teacher and seek clarification. We'll be back in a few days with uh, another episode. So as I mentioned in the previous episode, the podcasts will be continuing over the school holidays, focusing more on revision um, and maybe going back to All About Eve and uh, context. Uh, so certainly make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast feed and stay tuned. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, enjoy your holidays and we'll be back with you again next time. Bye for now.